Hello. This week, I'm at Block Dojo in London to meet the latest group of entrepreneurs to complete this incubator program for startups that are building their business on the BSV blockchain. I'll be finding out about ways to improve the recruitment process and to encourage us all to have healthier lifestyles. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. First up, I met Ash Yarrow, whose previous experience as a tech entrepreneur stands him in good stead to launch Tracker HR, which promises to use AI to transform the recruitment business. Yeah, so Tracker was born out uh, quite a selfish reason. Um, my girlfriend was a recruiter at the time, and um, a lot of the time in the evening she'll be catching up with tasks that she couldn't get to today. I just it became apparent that there were just so many complexities and long laborious processes within being a recruiter. And then on further research, other staffers, so small business owners who don't use recruitment firms and also HR teams have similar challenges. Um, so I, I sort of embarked on the journey of just trying to understand these pain points. Um, because you already had considerable experience as an entrepreneur starting your own businesses. Yes, yes. With different kinds, but I guess a lot of the lessons would be useful as well. Completely different kinds. So I uh, was really in the sort of consumer um, technology space. Um, I, I hadn't actually done any SaaS before. Um, as an EIR, I, I experienced fintech and I, I consulted for um, an edtech platform. So I had experience in looking at uh, a problem in a very specific sort of way. The past decade, I sort of approach a lot of things on that analytical entrepreneurial perspective. So how did you approach the recruitment business then? So having only experience on the problem myself as an employer and, and, and then seeing it, my partner experience the same um, issues, I went to friends and contacts of mine who were in recruitment or HR and basically just asked if I could spend time in their teams learning their pain points. And that's when I realized that there were so many problems in terms of fragmented systems, outdated practices, and just so many spaces for um, top candidates to slip between the cracks. And it was bizarre to me that in, in the world of, for example, accounting or law, so many innovations have taken place. And having replaced lawyers or accountants, but actually you know, support them into maximizing their productivity. Because I'm thinking that maybe in some conversations between you and your girlfriend saying, don't put me out of a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Precisely that, especially when the AI um, word came up. She is actually now studying um, her master's for AI. So uh, I think understanding that that is almost like the calculator. You know, back in the day, people thought the calculator replaced things, but understanding that actually it's, it's just a tool to enable more support. I then say, well, you know what, if, if you can have QuickBooks for uh, accountants and you can have tools like Rocket Lawyer and, and, you know, all these sort of legal automation tools for lawyers, then why is there not uh, uh, some, a system that supports and automates processes for HR teams and recruiters? I know that quite, it's quite an old school trade, but in my opinion, it's the most important trade as it is trading the most important commodities, human. 
So, okay, but so how does your solution work? So it's a multi-pronged solution. Um, first things first, I learned that recruitment teams are frustrated with compounding multiple fragmented systems. Um, they often have to turn into IT support rather than focusing on making successful placement. So, okay, now we need a singular integrated space that delivers uh, the process from point A, or so, you know, someone submits into a system to the last destination when they're placed. Um, there is also, I guess, the, the idea of how are we tackling database utilization. So, you know, the firm that my girlfriend was working for only had 7,000, which sounds significant, but actually in the world of recruitment, it's quite small, 7,000 people in their database. But they didn't have the time or resources, a small firm, to even go back and to check. And so a lot of them in, wouldn't even be available for work or... Exactly. Well, some of these people could actually be ideal for a future role, but they weren't flagged up. Oh, I see. Um, and then also in terms of the amount of people who are applying for roles, you get an average of like 118 people applying for a role today in the UK. How are you spotting the best candidate? And, and the reality of the situation is people are flicking through candidates, not really taking the time to analyze each profile that comes in because they don't have the time, they don't have the resources. I heard that the way recruitment services work now is that they do an initial cull of the uh, applications by just looking for a few keywords yeah. that are in the job application. So if you haven't even mentioned those words, you're never even going to get through to the next stage. Is that, is that true? Exactly. That is precisely it. A lot of ATS systems currently work on just a word-by-word -word basis. There's no real understanding of the person. There's no um, consideration of soft skills or understanding of um, cultural fits. But how are you going to make that better without just it being a lot more work for somebody? Well, AI will, has the ability to analyze in much better depth and in, in real time. But what would you, how would you instruct AI in order to go through that pile of applications and come up with better answers. So the, the, what Tracker is doing is essentially, it, from the very beginning of the process, let's say, for example, you're a client and you're looking to hire a, a new camera person, someone in your production team. From the very beginning, if I'm a recruiter, our conversation will be, will be, tr will, will be tracked, logged and with AI, and that will, a brief will be generated. That brief can then help us to create an ideal persona. So everything from cultural and uh, fit to, um, you know, right to work or um, qualification, soft skills, everything that makes the ideal persona uh, is, is, in, is in this brief. And that is what is matched against the different profiles that come in, whether it be from a CV or an application. But further than that, there are multiple rounds to the selection process. I might get a CV and only be able to get a certain amount of data on that candidate. So the beauty of Tracker is we're replacing the quick screen call that most recruiters do where they take two minutes of their day to check that someone is A, sane and B, ticking certain keywords. Um, by having a pre-screen call that is AI-led and asked specific questions considering both the post, the role to be, uh, to be filled, and also the idiosyncrasies that appear on 
receive your application. And so if I was the applicant, who would I be talking to in that call? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a practice now. It's called a pre-screen call where you just record the answers. Questions will appear to you oh, and see. you will answer those questions. But what happens now is everyone's given the same questions and the answers are checked by just a, a, a human will sit down and go through all of the videos and probably not look through all of them. And actually asking the same question to everyone does not work because you might have made it very clear in your application it, whether or not your your experience in Python. But what I would like to understand more is your ability to deal with, I don't know, fintech or your history in, in a specific field. So sort of like with the iPhone, when you're um, doing facial recognition and it asks you to do this, get the, the, the full face, we're doing that with these pre-screening interviews, which saves a lot of time and it keeps on like a moving... Uh, puzzle piece, the scoreboard moves as we get a better picture of the individual. And we're able to then see at the end of these checks, who are the top five, 10, 15 candidates for a role. Ash, it sounds like an incredible project. And you've persuaded me that uh, AI would do a good job with it. So I think it'd be really, really interesting to see how this goes. So really good luck with it. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. Thanks for your time. My second guest today is Kofo Are, whose background in technology and healthcare led to the founding of Thea, which helps businesses encourage their staff to lead healthier lives. So Thea um, is essentially focused on helping people become wealthier, healthier. So we'd like them to choose Thea, essentially. Right, any kind of Thea. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're in the health business. Yes. What, what's it going to do? Yeah, so essentially Thea is an AI-enabled mobile platform for the prevention of obesity and type 2 diabetes. We're targeting heads of wellness, occupational health, and HR, um, in company and organizations that offer private health care to their employees. Um, the reason why we're doing this is because the obesity Obesity epidemic is costing companies or well, enterprises $3,000 to $50,000 per employee per annum. And in the UK, it's costing them approximately £1,000. How does that work out? Why does it cost them £1,000? And the reason why it's costing them this money is because they don't have the necessary tools. They have basically limited visibility on um, which employees within the organisation have a high risk or medium risk of developing obesity and type 2 diabetes. So what Thea does is we help heads of wellness to identify, track, and monitor the emergence of obesity and type 2 diabetes within their employee communities. Because it's going to be expensive for the company if the person takes time off. Yeah, if they take time off, uh, if they um, access health insurance, it so puts the health premiums up. Yeah, it puts your health, yeah, the health premiums up and it also increases the number of claims that, you know, employees make, which obviously drives health and premium. Right. So how, how are you going to stop us um, eating all the things we shouldn't be eating? Okay. Well, within the uh, there's a, um, our application essentially um, tracks um, and monitors the um, amount of, or the distance employees run the distance they walked and the composition of and the nutritional and the composition of food that they consume. So we're essentially comparing the amount of highly processed foods they can 
consume these uh, um, whole foods. But if I'm, okay, so if I've got the app. Yes. Do I have to kind of constantly say I had cornflakes for breakfast or how does it know what I've eaten? Okay, in terms of the way in which you would, um, the app would know what you've eaten, um, we um, will be partnering with another organisation that will provide us with a tool to basically enable you to just take pictures oh, of right. your food and we can approximate what the nutritional content is. Yeah. yeah. Right, so I just need to take a photograph of everything that's on the plate before I eat it. Yes, that's what you need to do instead of actually typing things in. But I might be slightly apprehensive about letting my employer see all this stuff yeah absolutely and the way in which we've decided to deal with that um, apprehension is to basically bestow data sovereignty on all employees and essentially what that means is they decide who can view their data they decide who they sh- will share their data with and if we in the future decide to monetize that data they would have to give us permission to um supply their data anonymously to third-party providers. Mm, so is it going to get a photograph or am I supposed to provide a photograph of every time I have a pint of bitter or gin and tonic or something? No. No, actually what we plan to do is partner with third-party data f- providers who will give us access to um, purchases that employees make. But, However, we would need to get permission from the employees first in order to access that information. Right, so... If I say, okay, you get in touch with Tesco and my Tesco club card will tell it everything that I... Yes. But you won't know whether it's for me or for somebody else. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. We won't know whether it's for you. That's the reason why we'd have to combine the photos with the data. Yeah. So it will be, it, it will be inaccurate, but... Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've got all this information about me, what I'm eating, what I'm drinking and all that stuff. How are you going to make me sort of be healthier? Well, we're going to match you with um, healthcare practitioners on the, that, that are on the platform and they will offer um, inter, um, interventions that are tailored to your specific needs. So once we've identified what your risk is, so say for instance you have a high risk of say developing obesity or type 2 diabetes, we will match you with a healthcare practitioner who will offer um, interventions tailored to your specific needs. We'll also match you to groups on the platform because we, we plan to have um, communities um, on the platform where we group people based upon their risk and the disease, so their risk and, say, obesity and type 2 diabetes, et cetera. Um, and the purpose of the communities is we believe in the power of peers. When you're in groups and, you're, you know, you're suffering from the same type of disease, you tend to, type, tend to encourage one another to make the right choices around food, around exercise, around the um, hours of sleep you you get we can demonstrate the um transparency that the blockchain technology bestows but also the immutability in it and in terms of the fact that the information can't be tampered with in any way i mean it's a very ambitious project because you're doing an awful lot of data collecting and then the second part of it is changing people's behavior, behavior isn't yeah. it but mm-hmm. so how how are you going to sort of get it off the ground? As it were? I can sort of see when everything was in place, then perhaps it'd be working, but I can't quite imagine how you'll take the first steps in putting it all in place. The way in which we plan to approach that is through a combination of account-based marketing. Um, and what I mean by that is we are going to target um, companies in the um, companies that have been most adversely impacted 
by the rise in obesity, by the obesity epidemic. What kind of companies have been most impacted? Fact, so companies in the manufacturing industry and energy industry. Um, Why are they particularly affected by it? Well, because they have high numbers of um, employees that are overweight, essentially. But is that because they're... Well, why would they be more overweight than people in other kinds of businesses? I guess it's probably to do with um, work practices and their job roles. Um, I think that some of the job roles in those sectors tend to be more sedentary, but also... Mm. Or perhaps is it because they're lower paid and so they can't afford healthier foods or something in some instances that's the case but also in terms of the way in which the worker environment is organized they may be working really long hours um and they have access the types of food that they have access to tend to be quite um calorific and um non-nutritious so for instance um using the nhs as an example there's a high number of um, nurses, um, care workers, etc., that are overweight or overbeast. But because they work in extremely stressful roles, they don't tend to have the time to go out. And shifts as well. Yeah, and shifts. They don't tend the time to go out and bring their food in. So the food that they have that's available to them isn't really healthy food. So they don't really have, you know, the best options. I mean, it's interesting because once you start putting it in those terms, mm-hmm. it's easy to see it as a kind of public service really isn't it because if it takes a load off the stress on the nhs absolutely then that's good for everybody really isn't yeah it? absolutely i think that um yeah from the, the research that we've conducted for instance we've seen uh, we've noticed a huge number a huge rise in the number of people um, being treated in the NHS for obesity-related diseases so if companies are like upstream because you know the NHS is downstream so if companies that are upstream can offer um, interventions that can prevent people from developing um, obesity and type 2 diabetes and other um, lifestyle-related diseases, and obviously, absolutely, of course, it would take pressure off the NHS, which is a great thing. I think it has to be a collective action. However, for companies to be incentivized, it has to um, impact them financially. You, you need to be able to, to demonstrate to them that it's going to be good for their bottom line. Yes, of course. And um, the way in which it's impacted them financially is one, um, the costs of health insurance um, claims. It's costing them between $3,000 and $15,000 per annum. But also in terms of falls in productivity, rises in in employee absences, if we can demonstrate with our application that we reduce the, um, the level of employee absences because we're lowering their risk of developing lifestyle diseases. So therefore, hence, they, they, they won't need to take time out to, for treatment. We can demonstrate that to companies and obviously that will have an impact on their bottom line. Well, it sounds an amazing idea and I wish you every like, I'm, I'm just slightly concerned about having to take photographs of everything that I eat yes, and treat. Yes, I absolutely agree with you that that's a issue that we'll have to tweet. Well, really good luck with it. And thank you so much for talking to me today. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks very much to Kofo Are and Nayasha Yero. Please join me next week to meet some more founders of the businesses of the future. But till then, thanks for listening. And from me, Charles Miller, goodbye.